Hey everyone, thanks for listening to today's episode where we'll be watching Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Just a quick note on content, this was a uh, remarkably transphobic movie, uh, even I think by the standards of 1994. Uh, so there's going to be some discussion of, of how that's treated in the film. Uh, so just wanted to make sure you were aware of that going into the episode. Uh, the other thing is, this is normally the part of the episode where I cut in uh, a segment of the film's trailer, uh, but instead of that, I'm going to put in a clip of the actual song that plays over the end credits of the film. So please enjoy Ace is in the House by Tone Loke featuring Jim Carrey. Put that big-ass size 13 on and kick it for the homies. <laughs> So I got an email from a mailing list that I was almost positive I had unsubscribed from. Mm -hmm. And that is Louis C.K. No! Uh, <laughs> his, he still uh, has an email list? I'm surprised that anyone subscribed to it. Oh, he's still, he's still doing a lot of work. So I got this email. This is dated July 9th. And uh, the subject line is an awfully long email from Louis C.K. Oh, no. Which... <laughs> I would freak out if that came into my inbox. It's like getting something from your ex that just says <laughs> a couple things. And it's like four or five scrolls long. Yeah, exactly. Ay, ay, ay. So first line of the email is, greetings, my human friend. So right away. Oh, I hate this. Don't give me that johnny son shit i can't even begin to think of what he has to say um well uh in case you're wondering uh he actually has a lot to say in this email um one of the um main things that he's doing right now he has a what he calls an audio series which is basically a that's a that's a podcast is a podcast which is going to be 10 episodes which is titled long distance relationships long distance relationship and it's him and a french stand-up comedian named blanche gardin um 
and so does he jack off the whole episode <laughs> it's well yeah he calls her and then he's like okay i'm gonna jack off um uh. and, no i don't think that's what it is but she is a french stand-up comedian he says blanche is the only person to win the moliere award two years in a row which is the highest honor a performer can receive in france okay. she's made two hilarious and very successful stand-up specials she tours in theaters all over her country she is beloved and respected throughout France and by French-speaking people everywhere. It is difficult to convey how funny, honest, and brilliant she is because of the language and cultural barrier. I wrote this in the liner notes of her latest comedy album. Imagine putting out a comedy album in, like, 2019 and having Louis C.K. write the liner notes. I, I am just flabbergasted that this French person probably doesn't even know like what's going on over here maybe that like that's my question is it's like does she like do they know in france that we've kind of uh moved past louis ck i don't think so and i think it's really funny that he has to feature someone from another country is yeah i mean it's like he can't plug Tignataro anymore because she no. was she was one of the ones that's like, oh yeah, everybody knows that he's a sexual predator. Oh um, my god, this is oh I okay. What else is that? All is he plugging no. something? Uh oh, I'm like a third of the way through the email. Oh my god. Um, okay, also tells her uh, tells her, her special is on Netflix but not in the states. Um, okay, but as long as I have your eyeballs on an email, I'll just Ugh. mention to those of you who haven't been to my website for a while that it has been redesigned and contains some cool new things. For instance, you can get my new stand-up special released April 4th, 2020. Sincerely, Louis C.K. We have DVDs of all my past stand-up specials and my short films. We have my most recent television series, Horace and Pete, which won a Peabody Award. Yeah. Uh, and that did, I mean, that was a big deal when it came out. That was him and Steve Buscemi and really stacked cast um a bunch a bunch of other stuff some new and some old is coming in the next month or so can they rescind a peabody award uh no (laughs) okay you can stop reading this email it sullies everyone else who won a peabody award yeah it really does last airbender sullied mystery (laughs) science theater 3000 sullied key and peel sullied um you can stop reading this email anytime, and I assume I have lost about 75% of you by now. I love when he puts in these little winking references. He's like, oh, who wants to hear from me? I'm just uh, a comedian rambling. It's like, also, you uh, trapped women in a room and jerked off in front of them. Ew. Um, for those of you still reading, I'd like to offer you some recommendations for some great movies you could watch with your free time. First... And then it's just a list of movies, kind of a long range of dates, like going back to the 30s. Is this like that thing that like the pretentious boys you went to college with are like posting their like top 10 albums of the year? You have to see these movies. Oh Oh my God. God. Black Orpheus. Holy shit. That's a beautiful movie. Um, just, you know, that's one of them. And then the, the most, uh, the last one, which I believe is the most recent one he lists is Children of Men. Uh, and, uh, he says, okay, I'm going to stop there. I did not intend to make such a long list. It was really just going to be three or four movies, but that was fun. I'll do it again sometime. Thank you. Both of you who are still reading again. It's that classic <laughs> Lucy and K. Me. Witt. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's you and me. <laughs>
Tone, put on those big-ass size 13s and kick it for the homies. You're listening to Probably Shouldn't Know Better, celebrating comedy that has aged very poorly. My name is Tony Ginocchio, joined as always by the lighthouse guiding me through the tumultuous waves of Jim Carrey's early career. (laughs) It's Nadia Vasquez. It was very sweet until you threw in Jim Carrey. (laughs) You know, an actor that I actually like. I love Jim Carrey. Yeah. And uh, and today we are talking about actually his very first feature film uh, leading role, uh, which is, of course, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective from 1994, directed by his longtime collaborator, Tom Shadyak, starring Jim Carrey, Courtney Cox, Tone Loke, and former Miami Dolphins quarterback, Dan Marino. Hell yeah, Dan Marino. <laughs> um, it... it is you know we will get into the movie in a minute um it is truly i i felt the same way watching this that i felt with american pie where there were this is kind of an exercise for the producers in what is the least amount of movie we can make because <laughs> there is very little going on here and then the stuff that is going on is horribly transphobic <laughs> yeah yeah, it's not the greatest. Um, but before we get into that, uh, you know, let's uh, talk about what is what is getting you through quarantine right now, Nadia. What is pop culture that you are consuming that is not Ace Ventura Pet Detective? <laughs> well, thank you for asking. Uh, I'm continuing my digital detox, and uh, I finished both of Paul Feig's memoirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, Paul Feig is a an acclaimed director he freaks wrote, and geeks uh, right yeah he wrote and uh directed and created freaks and geeks with judd apatow he also played mr hall in sabrina the teenage witch uh i think the first and second seasons before he got fired and then um he also directed bridesmaids which was a surprise hit mm-hmm. and c- continues to direct a lot of tv and film um, he recently did Last Christmas, which was the uh, romantic comedy starring the woman who plays Daenerys Targaryen. Amelia uh, uh, Clark. Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones. And uh, he wrote two memoirs in the early 2000s, one called Super Stud, which was um, <laughs> basically a memoir and a collection of stories about how he was just really bad with girls and one called kick me which is I've read just that about, one. yeah it's so good yeah. and it's just horrible stories that probably would have been featured in freaks and geeks if he wasn't collaborating with judd apatow who overshares everything yeah <laughs> freaks and you know freaks and geeks it was a great series it's nuts when you look at who was in the cast it, it completely oh, insane because so seth rogan jason siegel james franco linda carlini, linda carlini. martin star um uh sam levine like just just uh, tremendous cast uh one of the hardest fucking series to watch <laughs> just oh, in it's terms so hard of to how watch. uncomfortable it makes you oh and busy phillips is in it and it's oh, hard she, she is heartbreaking oh god that's every brutal. episode yeah. every episode is just fucking brutal there's one episode in particular that comes to mind where martin Starr he plays like a latchkey kid mm-hmm. who just goes home and makes himself a grilled cheese and watches the gary shandling show or the Larry Sanders show, really. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's so heartbreaking and sad to see it, it, it's nerds being actual nerds 
on TV, which is which like, is actually sad. Yeah, it's actually so sad, and it's heartbreaking. It's a great show, but his, a lot of the characters are based on uh, Paul Feig's stories. So if you want to kind of get, if you're a fan of that show, you gotta read these books. They're really funny. I read them before bed, and then I get so riled up because I'm <laughs> laughing so hard that I have to be like, okay, I have to read these during the daytime. So my lunch breaks have been mostly just reading Paul Feig. Nice. Um, but how about you? Uh, I got two uh, two album recommendations by ladies. Uh, oh, but, uh, yeah. One of them, an extremely obvious one, but a good one, uh, is uh, just two days ago when we're recording this, we had a new album come out by The Chicks. The Chicks used to be called The Dixie Chicks, but Dixie is canceled. Uh, yeah. So uh, they have their new album out. It's called Gaslighter. Uh, it's produced by Jack Antonov. Um, the Dixie Chicks. No way! Jack Antonov did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh one, shit. Part of the reason why it's so good. The Dixie Chicks. Yeah. Ever since, like you know, their um, career took off in the early two thousands and the late nineties, um, have always been tremendous songwriters. They've been uh, extremely like amazing musicians in terms of like playing and stuff like that and the harmonies they hit. But uh, you couple that with Antonov's production on this album, it is um, it is real good. The title wow. track uh, kicks so much ass, um, and and I, I love Jack Antonoff. Yeah, and I am not a he, well, he, and he did great work on um, Lana Del Rey's album last year too. and Lord's album yes. Melodrama. Yes, Ooh, that was good. Um, but uh, I, I'm not even somebody who listens to a ton of country, but I will always make room for uh, former Dixie Chicks now the Chicks. Uh, which is impossible yeah. to Google, by the way. Uh, but the <laughs> yeah, other... it takes you to places you really don't yeah. want to see. The other one, um, now we're talking about maybe we're two months out from it uh, coming out, but by Phoebe Bridgers. Um, the album is called Punisher. Phoebe Bridgers is a singer-songwriter. She is one half of, uh, sorry, one third of the supergroup Boy Genius with Julianne Baker and Lucy Dacus. Um, really, really great lyricist. Um, that one is not the kind of uh, ass-kicking country that the chicks would have. That is more sad folk for you to cry to. But Ooh, um, we all need that. Right but now. it's very good, very well done, also very well produced. Um, but she's uh, a great, um, great songwriter. So re- I recommend both of those. They're they're big winners. That's great. Thank you. I really needed some good new music. I've been listening to the same stuff for uh, the past couple of months. I'm getting bored. Yeah. Uh, my question to you is unrelated to anything we're talking about. But have you had a good cry lately? Are you somebody that like really feels good after a good cry? No. I mean, I I have not. Um, I suppose I do. I mean, like, the last time I cried was, it was, uh, like, the last time I cried a lot was when the baby was born, right? And then, oh, yeah. then it was just, like, just so, like, so much. Did not know that, uh, I was going to do that. Um, but, Aww. uh, oh, that's so sweet. But that was a while ago. Um, I have not cried, like, um, watching something or listening to something, like, particularly mm. recently. Um, okay. Or actually, not. I think I was like when the baby was born. But also, like I was at a Joanna Newsom concert, like in uh, October of last year, in the before times, mm. and right. uh, that one I think <laughs> I probably cried when she performed in California. Um, okay. So uh, love Joanna Newsom. She also has a little baby girl who has her own little baby harp. Um, oh, which is, that's so cute. Which is very sweet, and of course, it's weird because. 
you know, she, I mean, I love Joanna Newsom too. I'll recommend her, but she writes this incredible, intricate uh, lyrics and, and uh, incredibly detailed compositions for harp and piano, a brilliant lyricist and, and songwriter, unlike anything else in the world, I would say, and is married to the man who makes <laughs> the exact opposite music from her. Uh, Andy Samberg of the Lonely Island. (laughs) They live in this really beautiful estate in Hollywood that's like very obviously haunted. I really, really want to go to their house and be their friend. I'm so happy for both of them. Like they're both great, but uh, but I just it's it's just they're they are not who I imagined the other being married to. (laughs) I know, I know. It's so great though. I'm so happy for them. I love them both. Yes. Uh, Yeah. I just I'm wondering if you're like one of those like very stoic men that um doesn't cry or if you're just i mean completely I, dead inside i think well yeah i think most of the, certainly when i'm at work um but i think most of, most of the time i don't know i like um well now i think about it i was crying like when i thought we were like going to have a nuclear war like at the beginning of yeah of the year um right right yeah i remember yeah, that, that was a hard one so I, was, I remember like be okay so we're just going to talk about times i've cried now but i remember (laughs) there being like it was right when uh coronavirus was starting to kind of have community transmission in the u.s Mm -hmm. and you know our our office was starting to talk about it because we're starting to see some of that transmission in chicago and so like just had this exhausting day where it was like a really rough day at work and then at the end of the day we had a meeting at like 4 p.m that was like hey we should talk about like virus protocol uh for the office which is like you know and what eventually ended up happening two weeks later is they closed the office and we're all working from home now but like we uh so they they you know so that was exhausting and i remember coming home and i just really wanted to see my daughter and I did and you know I just like oh my god you know I I just I was so emotionally drained that I remember reading Green Eggs and Ham with my daughter (laughs) and when we get to the point where it turns out the guy likes Green Eggs and Ham uh then I started crying because that's like where I that's how drained I was I feel like crying listening to that Um, I know that shift in the book it's very very it's very it's very I mean it's one of the greatest plot twists in the history it's very powerful yeah I mean all that guy wanted to do was read the newspaper and (laughs) Sam I am will not stop fucking with him he takes him he runs into him with a car Takes him on a train, through a tunnel, train goes off, derails, lands in the ocean. Yeah. I've read this book a lot. He went, he went through a lot. (laughs) Um, But he, he likes green eggs and ham at the end. He does. He does. Well. He does. Have you ever tried to make green eggs and ham? It's disgusting. No, but I remember in kindergarten, we um, did a thing where our teacher made green eggs and ham, and we all had to try it, and she took a tally of who liked it and who didn't. That's really sweet. Yeah. That's really sweet. See, all of this, I like to learn about you, but the only thing you get to learn about me is that I cry every day. (laughs) 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 Just something or other always sets me off, and I do a little crying. It, it, It might be like I'm watching... A performance from RuPaul's Drag Race, like mm-hmm. a lip sync, mm-hmm. and they just are just so particularly powerful in this one performance that I just start losing it and crying. Or I could just be like laying in bed and just start crying just from my own thoughts. I'll tell you what gets you. So, have you seen 
Janelle Monet's video for um, the single Cold War. No. Because it's like, Cold War was a couple albums ago. Um, it's off the Arch Android, but um, the video is just like a camera just real close up on her face and she just just belts the whole tune does in one take you know doesn't move but when she gets to the line i was made to believe there's something wrong with me like she she starts to like she has to and you know she's she's singing over a dub track but um she like has to like shake it off for a second and she's and then she starts crying for like the last verse and you're like oh damn uh watching other people cry makes me just lose it (laughs) It's kind of like that thing of just, like, if somebody hears someone barfing or sees someone barfing, they want to barf. But it's the same thing for me with crying. Yeah. If, if anybody is in any kind of pain and crying, I will just tear right up. Yeah. So speaking I of, can't control it. Speaking of any kind of pain, let's... <sighs> let, let, so, guys. How do we... How do we... How... Here's, here's how I'll start. Here's how I'll start. Okay. Okay. Here's what you guys need to understand. Ace Ventura Pet Detective... Dumb and Dumber, and The Mask all came out in the same year. Oh, shit, they did? Yeah. Then Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, and Batman Forever came out the following year, 1995. All five movies together have a box office gross combined of $1.3 billion. Wow. Um, the three 1994 films are all in the top 25 highest grossing films of the year. Ace Ventura Pet Detective was number 16 for 1994. The Mask was number 8. So this kicked off a period of time in which Jim Carrey was absolutely everywhere. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. This movie was a 98% match with my shit on Netflix, which is kind of insulting. <laughs> Um, is it though or is it a little accurate uh while the movie i would say was not uh critically adored by any means it made 102 million dollars off a budget of 15 million um and 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 like i said um a very very successful film and, and was part of a string of very successful films but is the least successful of the five films i just named um i really now i want to watch batman forever ba- that movie was very good batman forever is like i like it I, it has been a long time since i've seen it it obviously launched the career of seal uh <laughs> but, um but it, i mean like it's uh val kilmer it's chris o'donnell graduate of my high school uh, oh. it's uh and um jim carrey and tommy lee jones it, it's funny because like tommy lee jones i think clearly didn't want to be there like at yeah. all <laughs> right yeah but it's an interesting i i remember liking it but i also remember being a child <laughs> yeah jim carrey was interviewed by howard stern this past week and i listened to the whole thing because he's got a book out right he's got a book out which is a memoir that is written as fiction mm-hmm. so it's very strange I, judging by what he was talking about i'm gonna love it but he said that tommy lee jones it plays a character in his book who doesn't want to be there. Mm. <laughs> it's very good, but he says that he's a very curmudgeon man. Yeah. So I now watch, I want to watch it again with that frame of reference 
to see how it it plays out with his character of Two Face, right? He was Two-Face. he was Two Face. Yeah, Jim Carrey was the Riddler, and um, at, well, I think like that's kind of what everybody says about Tommy Lee Jones is he's he, obviously has been incredibly successful and won an Oscar for I think The Fugitive, and um, clearly just like wants to be on his farm on on his ranch in Texas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not he sounds like a cool guy. Oh I think yeah, we could we would chill and he, for sure. Who he, I think he roomed with Al Gore at Yale what yeah I I wow. might be confusing him with someone else he he so had some he invented... other famous roommate so he invented the internet in their dorm room yeah they invented the internet they put the tubes wow. together <laughs> I figured it out wow that's really cool well I am very excited to talk about Ace Ventura this is actually a listener suggestion yeah and to uh, that like listener to... <laughs> I can tell you who it was. It was Kate Elston. I love her. She is the co-host of the Vicious Cycle podcast. You guys should all check it out. I love her with all my heart. She was very correct in suggesting this. Perfect movie for us. No question. Perfect movie. It was, I remember loving this movie deeply (laughs) and watching it again, feeling deep, deep shame. Just (laughs) deep, deep shame. God. Uh, but um, but before we before we talk about the film in a lot of detail, let's talk about 1994. Former current 1994. events. Hit me. All right. For technology, the computer zip drive was introduced in 1994. In 2006, PC World rated the zip disk slash zip drive the 15 worst technology product of all time and the 23rd best technology product of all time. This was the year that probably everyone was confused about how to send things over the internet. Uh, 1994, because even now people are like, what's a zip drive? Um, Okay, the top song of the year was I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Nice. This is a fun fact about Nadia. I, um, this is the first CD I ever bought, which was Boys to Men 2. Okay. Uh, it's what their their album was called. I I earned money by vacuuming the living room and earning a dollar every time I did that and went to the record store. This was before Sam Goody. I don't know what it was called back then. Um, I bought my first CD. I was very young. And uh, when I was a PA at the Christmas at Rockefeller Center Christmas Tree Lighting, Boys to Men was a, a musical performer. And I told this story to one of the producers. And she introduced me to Boys to Men, and they called me the vacuum lady. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite moments of my entire life. I, I mentioned that I cry a lot. When, I, when that happened, I cried. That's adorable. So that's, Fun fact about me. Um, other notable mentions of popular songs at the time include Mariah Carey again, he- Hero. Undefeated, of, yeah. I know. Ace of Bases, The Sign, mm-hmm. which is whoo, so good. Great Featured song. On I that. think they're Nazis. Something like what? that. I'm going to look what? that up. Are you serious? Yeah. That song was featured on an episode of Full House where Stephanie Tanner had a girl band and they played The Sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do remember that. Um, also, R. Kelly's Bump and Grind was up on the charts at the time, and All for One's I Swear, which I love. George Foreman Grill was released in 1994. No kidding. And later, Michael Scott burned his foot on it. <laughs> um, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon is a conversational game in finding how many connections and how close they are between Kevin Bacon and other well-known people was very popular that year. I remember that being a joke on a lot of TV shows mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, in October 1994... Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, The Shawshank Redemption, The Lion King, and Jurassic Park were all in theaters at the same time. Yeah, insanely stacked year for movies, for sure. I I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, in 1994, 
<laughs> friend of the podcast Tim Allen started starred in the highest grossing film Disney's The Santa Claus mm-hmm. topped the New York Times bestseller list with his book Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man and appeared in the top rated TV series Home Improvement all within the span of one week that is you know when like the thing about Tim Allen <laughs> like we gotta do a Tim Allen movie we absolutely do but he like he's not canceled because he hasn't like been me too or anything like that and he hasn't do we have to use me too as a verb okay he had like nobody's accused him of sex crimes <laughs> okay um he just seems like he's kind of an asshole <laughs> yeah well didn't he treat um the woman pat richardson on his show really terribly oh that i don't know i will research she played that. his wife yeah. we need to look that up okay yeah. i'm gonna continue on with these yeah. former current events uh, the Wonder Bra was invented that year, and uh, unfortunately, Kurt Cobain passed away. And I'm so sad that those two facts are right next to each other <laughs> in my list. <laughs> I should have proofread this list. Okay, uh, <laughs> Tanya Harding, the antagonist, and Nancy Kerrigan, the protagonist in this event, uh, have an ice skating rivalry, which resulted in some friends of Tanya's, including her husband, Jeff, and associates, Sean and Shane attempting to bust nancy's kneecaps at the u.s figure skating Championships. truly one of the most uh batshit stories in the history of sports oh yeah uh, and even though she was hurt she still ma- did well for herself and had endorsements and won the oh, silver yeah. medal in the olympics and, ta- that year. and like tanya harding choked in the olympics famously but um she did but so it's, sad but it's also like but you know, if you watch the the thirty for thirty, or if you watch the Margot Robbie film, and you just look at like how the institution of ice skating treated Tanya Harding like white trash, like it's oh. just it's it's tough, man. I mean, but do we feel bad for her? I kind of do. Oh, uh, I kind of do. Should we do an I Tanya episode? <laughs> we could do. I would be. Uh, that would be an interesting one. I is think. that a is that a comedy? Um, it definitely has funny moments. Okay. All right. All right. We'll add that to the list. Okay. My last one is an earthquake-induced power outage occurred in 1994, and calls came into the emergency centers about a giant silvery cloud over Los Angeles. It was the Milky Way. Oh. <laughs> the the uh, electricity pollution or the light yeah. pollution always you never the see Milky it. Way. Yeah. You never see it. And people were so freaked out about it. And I loved that thought because that is how stupid people yeah. are in LA. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and okay, well, that is all of our events. I'm very excited to jump in yeah. to this movie. The one last bit of context on this film is I said it was Jim Carrey's first feature film, but he obviously was on TV uh, leading up to this because he was on In Living Color, uh, the uh, sketch yes. series. And so I feel like most of the acting choices that jim carrey's gonna make in this film are just kind of extensions of bits he did yeah. on in living color and uh then we come to my first question in the google doc which is is there anything funny in this movie at all who the hell is this for i, I okay <laughs> i have i watched it over the weekend i think it's funny in some ways okay and I did laugh out loud, especially the the UPS scene at the beginning. I thought was very silly and funny. Yeah, kind of classic uh, fragile package gag. Yeah, I love I love a little gag. Yeah, and there were plenty of these. There were moments where 
I remember thinking certain parts were funny when I was younger, mm-hmm. and now I just feel so sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do also want to say that we named our goldfish Larry after the character that he plays in this film uh, trying to get into a psychiatric treatment facility. God. And uh, that fish ended up living for three years. <laughs> so uh, uh, we should probably say what the film is about, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, Jim Carrey plays Ace Ventura, a private investigator in Miami, who is, a, it really sounds weird when you say it out loud, who is mm-hmm. a specialist mm-hmm. in finding lost animals <laughs> or pets. Um, He is hired by the Miami Dolphins front office because their mascot, an actual dolphin named Snowflake, is stolen. Uh, And uh, he befriends Courtney Cox at the front office. They fall in love. We learn that he has a seemingly inexhaustible supply of cum. uh, (laughs) And uh, that will, I guess, play in later. Um, It it basically uh, carry pieces together that the mascot was stolen by a former kicker for the dolphins a fictional character named ray finkel um who missed a field goal in the super bowl in 1984 which is not what actually happened the dolphins did play in the super bowl that year but it wasn't decided on a missed super uh missed field goal um the kicker blames this sounds weird that i'm describing like the miami dolphins season in the 80s but that's like how you have to view the plot yeah (laughs) the kicker blames dan marino for botching the hold on the kick uh so he kidnaps the dolphin so that he can get to dan marino so that he can take out his revenge also um uh that kicker has become a a trans woman um and that is played 100 percent for comedy uh in yeah (laughs) in this um movie so we see a lot of jim carrey just kind of mugging and going way over the top with yeah. uh with every possible acting choice with every all righty then uh <laughs> with i still think those are funny though with when he uh when he in the opening scene he steals a dog uh back from a woman's ex-husband and the woman who owns the dog is very chesty uh, and is like, well, I don't have any money, but you could just take your pants off. And he's like, oh, gee, let me think. Just <laughs> insane. And apparently gives an insane high-energy beecher because he's just, like, whipping around as he's getting blown <laughs> off camera. Um, anyways, so that's that's a rough approximation of the plot, but the movie is 89 minutes, and... It, exists only as a vehicle for Jim Carrey to kind of do his shtick. Right. Um, On his interview with Howard Stern, he said, um, well, Howard Stern was like, this was a really risky film that you made. Yeah, it definitely was. (laughs) Yeah, and so, and Jim was like, yeah, I mean, I would sit at the monitors with Tom and we would just be howling, laughing, and we thought, like, this is the end. This is, if this doesn't work, this is the end. And it ended up working. (laughs) Like, if, if this had probably come out anytime around now i don't think this could have worked it, it is an insane pick for like a first film that you're hoping starts your film career yeah for sure i'm thinking like who is comparable to this this type of acting style i uh, guess will ferrell uh, will ferrell or robin williams is like the other one which is is different oh, i'm talking but... about like recently oh, like yeah of like 
to date um like in the last like five years yeah. how, do we have anybody who's as silly or ridiculous or has have all the comedies gotten more grounded because well i mean it's like because it's all like judd apatow shit that's the mainstream comedy so it's like you Ugh. know it's more <laughs> well but it's more like dialogue driven right so it's, it's yeah it's not that kind of broader stuff it's not physical stuff it's not right it's not any of that like robin williams will will ferrell is like uh characters are all kind of the same so you yeah. can't count well that. yeah some of that right and he he anchorman was like his leading role but he obviously had like zoolander and stuff before that oh um, right which i mean like which he gives great performances in all of those robin, sure. robin williams was at the same time in fact mrs doubtfire was the same year i think oh okay um, that makes sense so i mean he he's not as physical as jim carrey but he has a you know very heavily improvisational style and he does a yeah. ton of bits right um right. would you say like nick swartzen is kind of the yeah the closest we have yeah so and i silly. think i think that's an excellent comparison because nick swartzen's first starring vehicle <laughs> was a was a, a movie in which he plays an aspiring porn star with a really tiny dick oh yeah. yeah what was that called uh i'm gonna bucky larson yes. born to be a star born to be a star bucky larson born to be a star um i would say a bigger risk than ace ventura but not by much no like no to have such a bizarre like plot and and subject and style of humor like yeah I, I, and to be have it be so successful right and dumb and dumber had jeff daniels in it right oh, and it was so good. and it was Farrelly brothers who i think were more established at this point the right. mask had a ton of money thrown at it like it it was for by the standards of 1994 i think a pretty sophisticated film in terms of special effects um right. and also he plays it um he plays the stanley ipkiss more straight um right than, than the mask so you kind of get to see a little more of his range there um, Who was Cable Guy? Cable Guy was later. Cable Guy was a few years later, and it's way darker. It's way darker, and I feel like he was a little more over the top. Yeah, that was 96. Yeah. That was way more over the top yeah. than The Mask. But Cable Guy has the funniest scene ever made in any movie, which is the Medieval Times <laughs> fight, oh, yeah. where he cites the classic Star Trek episode, Amok Time. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, anyways, we haven't even started talking about the fucking movie. Well, I mean, I'm trying to make sense of <laughs> where this movie fits in both style and also just general plotting I mean, and everything. That, I don't... It's so different from anything that I've ever seen. It is. And, and it, it, it's different for... And I even feel like... Like I said, I like Jim Carrey a lot. And yeah. I think most Jim Carrey movies are not like this one. No. And it's weird that this is his first one. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Um, cause it's like, weird. I think my two favorite Jim Carrey movies, I think my favorite one is Liar Liar. and Oh, that's such a good it's one. It's such a good and movie. And Truman Show. Well, true. Oh, I didn't even think of Truman Show because I was thinking of comedies. But he's very good in Truman Show. Um, and then um, I I really like Bruce Almighty too. Oh it's, yeah! Oh my god, dude, he makes such good movies. He makes good movies, and like except the, for this one, those have like <laughs> those have kind of slapsticky comedy in them. But he also like plays a lot of it straight, which is why right. it works when you kick into 
the wacky stuff liar liar especially i think yeah like, yeah the one with the blue pen where he's like yes, it's red yes yeah but like the fucking the the gag at liar liar where like every time he sees his kid he does the claw and he attacks oh, yeah. the kid with the claw it's so good that's such a good dad bit and then the uh, when carrie always tries to do it and just bombs at it yeah it's so fucking funny anyways it's really good no but that's the thing is that i feel like because he made this movie with his pal. His pal wasn't like, yeah. hey, let's just rein it in. Like, maybe in these moments where we're, like, really close up, like, don't do the lip thing, you have, possibly. Your face is so rubbery. It's you so don't, rubbery. You don't have to go all the way with it. But, you know, at the time, he was doing his stand-up stuff and mm-hmm. obviously got into um, in Living Color and everything. And, like, he really can transform into other people. Oh, yeah. Very, like, he's got the, I mean, look at his Grinch face. Yeah. <laughs> you and- know, but... But, like, I don't think it translates as a leading character, but it also does. I mean, like, the the thing is, the only redeeming feature of this film is seeing Jim Carrey just put it all fucking out there. Yeah. Because, let me tell you something, the story doesn't fucking redeem this film. (laughs) No, 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 no. The story also just doesn't make sense. The things that happen that lead the story to where they go makes no sense. But, like, watching him is just fascinating. Yeah. It's so... And I personally laughed a lot. Okay, well, just I... At his At his physical comedy, I was just like, I can't believe that this is a thing that he's doing. And, it, it, like... The only... The, every, everyone's reactions to it were very funny. The only very, time I legitimately real. laughed was, was the end credits song. Um, <laughs> what was the end credit song? I was. Well, I sent you the video for it. Um, it oh yeah. It is a tone look, and it's it's a rap track. It, it classic mid '90s rap track describing the plot of the film, and uh, I'm definitely cutting it in at the beginning of this episode. But hell yeah. Um, but it's the sample is um, TNT by ACDC, which is the same sample in um, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's just it's so goofy um and that's that's where um put on those big ass size 13s and kick it for the homies is from right right, um, right 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 and so anyway anyways here's the thing the other thing about uh ace ventura is we gotta talk about how he lives and where he dresses or no where he lives how he dresses fuck whatever you get what i'm saying <laughs> jim yeah. carrey wears combat boots uh full striped dress pants a right. wife beater and a hawaiian shirt over it i have to say i wish i had all of his hawaiian shirts great shirts uh, i think it's supposed to be like a, a a parody of the miami vice look yeah right um well because they are in miami r- right and yeah, yeah he also lives with a just full-on menagerie of animals yeah, he's um, got penguins. Penguins and... live in his fridge. <laughs> Otter lives in his toilet. Um, and his super at his apartment, who, by the way, is Hector Salamanca from Breaking Bad and <laughs> Better Call Saul. Oh, hell yeah. His uh, super is um, is like, you don't have any animals, do you? And he's like, no, no. And he, like, jingles his keys a certain way so the animals all know to hide when his super, <laughs> when his super comes in. How is not funny tony that's pretty funny and then well it, it is kind you're, of funny when he like we're whip- doing like a battle of like how stupid <laughs> is the things that you're laughing at and are you okay with it he, i'm okay with it he whistles and all the animals come out and he has like his arms outstretched like he's fucking saint francis of assisi 
Come uh, to me, my friends. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it's just nuts. Um, but anyways, so there's that. My favorite part of that opening montage is um, he comes home with a bag of groceries and he, he takes a big palm tree leaf off of the tree yeah. and like hides his face as he walks past his super's uh, window. And then there's like a pile of other ones that he's clearly used <laughs> over the last few days. And I, lo- I just love that gag. It's so good. <laughs> Uh, he, yeah, and so we, we get to the plot pretty fast because it is a pretty short movie, which is yeah. that the dolphin of the Miami Dolphins is stolen and someone... Oh, you do see this, like, scene of people Yeah, driving no, in. <laughs> driving in, they have no face, they, like, shoot the poor dolphin with a tranquilizer thing and it's it's like clearly suffering and i'm just like i don't like this movie right now this is very i know that they're not actually doing it on camera or anything but it's just like no the sounds I'm, of it it's I'm so real i'm gonna venture a guess they had a couple peter representatives on set for this one <laughs> yeah uh so. yeah that was that was hard to watch but you do see that one of the people who is stealing the dolphin is wearing a super bowl ring. We're, yeah wearing a a a 1983 AFC championship ring, um, right. which has five triangular topaz gems in it. Um, right. That's going to be important later. Yes. Anyways, Courtney Cox is like the operate. And this, by the way, Courtney Cox, this is one year into Friends. So. Yeah, she's trying to build her, her uh, film career. Right. right I don't think she knew Friends was going to uh, be what it was at right. this point. Um, so. She uh, she works in the front office. She's like the operations uh, director, and like the lady at the front desk is like, "Oh, I hired a pet detective to find my dog. Pet detection is a highly scientific process." Um, and right. then they bring Jim Carrey in, and they're like, "Yeah, Martha Metz recommended you." He's like, "Martha Metz? Oh yeah, the bitch." But it turns <laughs> out, bitch is also a name for a dog. Yeah, a female dog. Yeah. Um, so that's what he was referring to. Um, so it's- Tony, are you just gonna pretend that you have such highbrow comedy standards that that wasn't funny? <laughs> that was not funny to me. There are other things that were closer to being funny to me. For example, um, all these reporters are swarming the stadium and, uh, they're, they're pressuring Courtney Cox. They're like, hey, where's Snowflake? I gotta get a shot of his new trick for the evening news like yeah did anything I mean, they're in miami happen in my miami in the 90s like had a violent crime problem <laughs> yeah but you know you always had to have like the you know squirrel surfing yeah. on the jet ski you know you gotta have that story like right towards the end so that people don't get too sad yeah. they don't do that same courtesy to us anymore but, but back then i feel like they had to have their little fluff pieces so uh, jim carrey in the filter of the dolphin tank he finds a topaz gem so he, he puts together that whoever stole the dolphin was a member of the 1983 afc championship team he was being a good detective yes uh, a good pet detective well, the only thing realistic about this movie is that the police are useless. Yes, exactly. The police, played by Tone Loke, uh, are yeah are useless. So, but now they look down. He visits the precinct, um, and they all clearly look down on the private investigator who specializes in pets. Um, 
and uh, there's a fun fun throwback reference. There's a dare poster in the police office. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. I have a dare jacket. Yeah. It makes me want to wear it. Look at that, and you're like, oh, yeah, that didn't work, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I smoke a joint yeah. watching the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, Jim Carrey kind of does his bit where he talks to Tone Loke through his butt. Um, oh, yeah. I the, forgot about those. Yeah, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Um, <laughs> and uh, then uh, Einhorn, who is the... Uh, she's not the sexy lady, because that's supposed to be Courtney Cox, but she gets the sexy lady music cue. Right. Which, which is a saxophone, obviously. Right. Um, and uh, he, he meets both of them, and she's like, what are you doing here, Ventura? And he says, I came to confess I was the second gunman on the grassy knoll, because we love a good jfk getting shot joke mm-hmm. uh and uh, basically he kind of shares this information and gets laughed out of the room right because he is not a real detective <laughs> right um and then there's a weird scene where he goes underneath the stage at a cannibal corpse concert to meet oh, right. his contact who is like rain or shine his name is rain or shine yeah a fish savant who tracks aquatic supply sales through the internet well okay so i think this is supposed to be you know how like in miami vice they always like know a guy yeah they got the tech guy yeah 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 so this is that version and but he like helps animals Okay, yeah, he, like, diverts whaling boats in his spare time, and he can... And, yeah. Like, again, this, what what story you say this movie has hinges mm-hmm. on the ability of a guy to pull up and track sales of aquatic supplies. Uh, yeah. Which he tracks to a fancy, uh, 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 a fancy rich man who is having a fancy party that Jim Carrey goes undercover with Courtney Cox to. Right, and... Uh, he goes to the bathroom, but yeah. he really sneaks out to, to try and find the dolphin in a tank. Right. Two music cues I need to call out here. <laughs> One, <laughs> the fancy party has Mozart's Anna Kleine Knox music playing, which is the ultimate public domain fancy party music <laughs> cue. And then uh, the Mission Impossible theme plays. At oh, <laughs> I know. That really threw me off. I'm like, wait, when did that When did that movie come out? Uh, the, fir- the first one wasn't out in 94. I think it may not have been until like 2000, but... Um, but the yeah, TV in 96. The, uh, ni- yeah. Oh, 96. Okay. Um but the TV show obviously was on in the 70s and that's where they're oh, biting right, it right, from. Right. But I um I forgot. But it's really just an excuse for Jim Carrey to mug for another very long time and he Yeah, he like climbed over the fence that was surrounding the water and then climbed back around and then jumped like an inch <laughs> to climb above the door. Yeah. I don't know why I think this is funny. It's I love slapstick, my it, friend. It is I'm sorry. Very slapsticky <laughs> watching him sneak around and also he finds the tank but it's the wrong tank because this rich guy does not have the dolphin. He just happens to have a great white shark. <laughs> and the great white shark kind of jostles him around in the water and he comes back out uh, of the bathroom completely drenched and his clothes are ripped apart. Yeah. And that's when he says the most famous line, famous line in the film. do not go in there. <laughs> and I laughed. These are funny. Come on. I thought I had seen this film before, by the way, and I hadn't. I had seen uh, the second one. 
Oh, oh the second one's the worst. Because I, I remember very distinctly the scene where he climbs out of the mechanical rhino naked. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that was really disturbing. I remember as a kid being yeah. like, I don't like this movie when I saw that part. Yeah. Like because I was so sickened. Yeah. Um so I remember <laughs> This is a different, I different this, experience. This one, yeah, but um but I obviously had heard about that line before. Um so then there's Wait, this is the first time you've ever watched it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're like the pieces are falling into place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really makes sense. Like if you grew up watching it, like Yeah. I, I think I remember things being funnier and so oh, like yeah. the memory is in my bones and in my muscles and the, my body is like we laugh here <laughs> <laughs> um there's a montage where he has to um uh just basically antagonize each member of the 1984 dolphins who each make cameos in the film to see who... are they is that each one of them for real because i thought the guy at the urinal couldn't be a real Oh yeah, I forgot. There's a gay panic joke at the urinal, um, and a parody of the of the Sylvester Stallone movie Over the Top in this montage. Just oh, I didn't catch that. I don't. Um, I don't watch Sylvester Stallone movies. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> feel feel a little judgment coming my way now, but um, the, <laughs> you have to be ready for a lot of Miami Dolphins jokes because because whoever stole the dolphin is missing a stone in their ring. Right, so he's checking all of their rings in different ways. Like, one of them is running in a track, so he wants to catch up with him, but he can't. So there's, like, three or four scenes where he eventually just chloroforms the man and then falls and checks his ring, and he's like, oh, that's not him. Yeah. Uh, another one is he just, like, tries to incite road rage yes. from the other one, and the guy flips him off, and that he has all of the stones on his ring. He tries to look at the guy's ring while he's at a urinal, and the guy thinks he's looking at his dick, and he's actually really happy about it. Yeah. It's a lot of that stuff. Yeah. It's over the top. Um, We're like breezing through, like the movie's almost over. <laughs> <laughs> we are at the halfway point of the film. I, I am looking through my notes. I found a, a point coming up where I did laugh. Um, oh, yay. Yeah. Which one? Uh, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it later. Okay. okay. So, um, so he tracks down like all the members of the dolphins. He still can't find anyone. And then um, he learns... Uh, from Courtney Cox, there was a kicker named Ray Finkel who joined the team halfway through the season. So he wasn't in Ace's copy of the team roster. Um, so he's like, oh, okay, well, that's a lead. Um, there's also Wait, did you talk about the suicide thing yet? No, we're, we're, the... we're not there yet. Okay, okay. Um, there is a scene where Courtney Cox has a dog, and Jim Carrey, who can never fully get rid of the Canadian in, in him, <laughs> says, your dog is very unhappy. I feel sorry for him. Yeah, he said sorry twice in it, and I just forget. I forget he's Canadian. Yeah, yeah, that's how good he is, folks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get a lot of angry tweets from Canadians. Yeah, um, yes, and and then this is when the suicide happens. So Courtney Cox's co-worker, the other guy who knew Snowflake was kidnapped, uh, apparently commits suicide. Yes, but Ace Ventura... It's on the case. Yes. And he, he finds that the evidence that uh, Lieutenant Einhorn, or Captain, is she a general? What is she? She's a, she's a lieutenant. <laughs> she's a lieutenant. Lieutenant Einhorn uh, says that it's a clear-cut suicide, and it's really not, because a neighbor heard a scream 
from outside, but they couldn't have because, and this is another famous scene, Ace Ventura is opening and closing the door and screaming, and then when the door closes, you can't hear him scream right. when the door Double is open. Double soundproof glass. Yeah. Exactly. So there's no way that the neighbor could have heard him scream if, yeah. they, if they had had the door closed Now, keep in, keep in mind, the screenplay uh, at this point just reads, Jim riffs for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this is showing that he is actually a really good detective. The first thing being that he found the the stone in the filter, which the police didn't look into, and also that uh, this is actually not a suicide; it's actually a murder. Yeah. Um, and then he and Courtney Cox uh, have a scene where they bond, and she has respect for his love of animals. Um, this is he she says you really do love animals he says if it gets cold enough and i wrote <laughs> difficult for me to imagine laughing in a theater at this yeah and, yeah yeah that was a little groany uh ace has a story about getting bit by a rabid dog uh and then they fuck in his yeah. apartment while all the animals watch right the music cue is the lion sleeps tonight He's come three times, and he says, I'm sorry, that's never happened before. I must be tired. Okay, I'm ready again. <laughs> he's he's uh, an animal, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's time to track down Ray Finkel. Uh, he goes to Ray Finkel's last known address, knocks on the door. Um, his dad opens up. He says, I'm looking for Ray Finkel. The dad pulls a shotgun. And he says, and a clean pair of shorts. <laughs> well, what we see is um, the house has been completely just destroyed no. by the neighborhood uh, kids who are just like, this guy fucking choked yes, at the yes. football game. Um, you suck, all of that stuff. And his poor parents, who are just these poor little elderly people, just have to deal with the repercussions of Ray Finkel's fuck up at the Super Bowl. And this is where I go on my high horse and say, people who like sports are the worst. <laughs> I can't, I, I cannot support it. People who are like so intense about their teams and stuff, like, it's just football. It's okay. Spe speaking as someone who used to like football and now doesn't, um, yeah, it sucks, folks. Were you were you one of those obnoxious fans? I wasn't I wasn't obnoxious, but I was in marching band in college, so like I, oh. I was, you know, super into it. Um sure, sure, and sure. I was at all the games and stuff and um and we had a team that uh, you know, got a lot of attention on it. But um and so for, you know, a long time after I graduated, I would, you know, certainly watch all the games on TV and and go watch like a couple in person a year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you know, now I, I just, I can't do it anymore because it just feels too icky. Like, <laughs> college football in general, like, oh, it's all the bad stuff of the NFL, plus they don't pay people. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, ethically speaking, it's pretty tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Well, I mean, in this, I mean, this, this is the NFL in this yeah. particular uh, world that they live in. So the parents are just like, really freaked out he takes out his gun yeah. and eventually uh the mom asks him inside and makes him some cookies where the football uh they're shaped like footballs and their uh laces out yes which is a very important yeah his mom his mom says dan message. marino should die of gonorrhea and rotten hell mm -hmm. um and the point in the film where i laughed for the first time is when ace goes to check out finkel's room and there's just like <laughs> effigies of dan marino 
uh, and die, Dan, die, like, written on the walls. Like, that was funny to me. Yeah, yeah. This this makes a lot of sense with who you are. Yes. Um. So, so yeah, basically the idea is Finkel is a kicker who, you know, is reviled because he botched this field goal in the Super Bowl, but he blames Dan Marino because Dan Marino didn't hold the ball laces out, um, and that's what led to the kick getting fucked up. Right, and so Ace calls Courtney Cox, and he's like, "Look, you gotta, you gotta keep Dan Marino safe. Yeah. Call the police wherever he is. He's doing um, a commercial. <laughs> he's doing a commercial for the same uh, brand of gloves that O.J. Simpson used. Yes, isotoners. When, yes. <laughs> yeah, isotoners for the murder of Nicole Brown and alleged. Yeah. Also, but, yeah. also around this time, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it's too late. There are some people who pose as these football players that are supposed to bum rush yeah. uh dan marino and are just supposed to like stop at some point and they take him all the way outside into a truck and kidnap him yes. and and ace is on the case yeah um and he also uh gives the tip on ray finkel to lieutenant einhorn right. uh and lieutenant einhorn thanks him by smooching him mm-hmm. smoochy smoochy that's You're a good detective. Uh, that's gonna come back later yeah yeah uh and then he's like we got to find out where ray finkel stayed when he was committed to a mental institution and i wrote oh boy this is going to be problematic (laughs) i can't believe you haven't seen this (laughs) it's really it really blows my mind well there's another iconic moment where we didn't talk about uh after dan marino is uh kidnapped the kidnappers are driving away and ace ventura is driving after him and they start shooting at him, and he catches a bullet in yes, his teeth. Yes, yes. And that is a really iconic moment where everybody loves everybody loves that the one. The fucking prestige um, over here. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. But he loses them eventually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so now we are, where are we? Uh, we are at the uh, psychiatric ward. Ah, oh, Larry. Yeah, so Jim why don't you describe this one nadia (laughs) sure 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 okay so um ray finkel's family mentions that a lot of his stuff is still at the psychiatric ward and they want him to go pick it up but um they don't want to so he goes to kind of snoop a little bit and poses as somebody who is looking to be treated at the facility and plays courtney cox's brother larry and he's wearing uh, a tutu and a bunch of other just random things and he's messed up his hair and he has like a hyper fixation about football and he's like put me in coach do, that kind of doing like... giovanni rubisi and the other sister voice <laughs> yeah one part of it i think is i i very greatly respect jim carrey's amazing mugging in it is in the waiting room he does a slow motion uh, move yes. of like a football move where he catches a football then he runs into the doctor's face and then he does let's see that an instant replay and he does everything everything again, exactly backwards. The same. Yeah. it's amazing yeah this movie is 90 percent mugging yeah 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 that part is untouchable though that's really <laughs> really amazing uh look nobody's denying phys- the man has tremendous talent physical comedy yeah. i just i couldn't believe but um they eventually they or start start talking about it and he's like well you know this is not the first person that we've had that had a hyperfixation on football we actually had someone named ray finkel and courtney cox is getting more information about that while ace ventura sneaks into the security closet where all of ray finkel's things are and he finds more die dan die stuff mm-hmm. 
But more importantly, he finds a newspaper clipping about a missing woman named Lois Einhorn. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And s- that is also the lieutenant's name. Hmm. So, hmm. look, here's where it's going. He's in his apartment. He pieces it Finkel and Einhorn. Finkel, Finkel and, and Einhorn. Einhorn. Finkel and Einhorn. Finkel and Einhorn. Piece of it. Finkel is Einhorn. Finkel. And he finds that out when his dog <laughs> sits on a picture of Finkel and puts hair around yeah. him. Ein- yeah. Einhorn is is Ray Finkel it has been a man this whole time. And so we get truly Oh, this is where I feel so much jaw dropping. Uh just so much shame for us as a culture. Extended transphobic reaction. So basically Jim because the but folks, this means Jim Carrey has kissed a man. No. So he uh like pours a tube of toothpaste into his mouth. He vomits, projectile vomits. He, like, is in the Plunges shower crying face. like a fucking assault victim. Um, just, it, just incredible so... artifact of its time. It's so bad. But I feel like even by the standards of 1994, like, this was still bad. I mean, there's a lot of questionable stuff that happened in that year in comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is where I made the note, my hair looks like aces. Because uh, <laughs> I haven't had a haircut in uh, four months. But um, Well, this was the same year that Junior came out. Do you remember that movie? I do, where with Arnold Schwarzenegger's, Arnold Schwarzenegger's pregnant. pregnant, yes. Yeah, so there was like a lot of questionable stuff on that. Clerks came out that year. There was a lot of stuff about Mrs. That. Doubtfire was the same year. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, uh, there's a bunch of stuff. Yeah, so, so anyways... Um, this is easy. when people say this film hasn't aged well. They're talking about like this scene in general, and then another scene coming up very shortly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they they are talking about finding out that you kissed a man and spending five minutes of a ninety minute film reacting to that. Right. So right. over the top. So painful. Yeah, it's not great to watch. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, the good news is Dan Marino wakes up on the wharf. Einhorn walks out. She says, do I look familiar to you, Dan? And he says, I don't know. I get hit in the head a lot. So we get a nice little CTE joke in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always th- I, I always thought that that joke was funny. And now, as an adult, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is actually really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, uh, Ace tries to solve Dan Marino. There's, like, a too many men on the field. And then, eventually, <laughs> Ace... Venture. The cops all show up. Einhorn tries to frame Ace for everything. Ace says, "No, no, no." Lois Einhorn is Ray Finkel, and then it's really- okay. I have, I have a, I have a whole thing about yeah, this. Go, please take it and run with it. <laughs> there, there's a very long monologue that Ace Ventura has, kind of spelling out everything, and in the background, kind of out of focus, uh, Einhorn is like convulsing or doing it's a very interesting acting choice is all i'm saying she's like freaking out completely uh doing like strange uh twitches and in you know in in a situation like this i think a person would not be doing anything like that or would be like trying to like get him to stop moving or something but she's just completely like out of it and he's doing a very long monologue that i'm gonna say is like four minutes long and then and again, Eventually, this is a really short movie. 
It's a really short movie, but the the parts that they pick to be long, powerful <laughs> scenes are not that. But he eventually is like, okay, well, if this was Ray Finkel, then would she have these? And he tears off her shirt, and she's got breasts, and he's like, uh-oh. And then he tears off the bottom half of her outfit, and she's got, like, panties on. And he's like, uh-oh. And then Dan Marino is like, hey, dude, come over here for a second. And they look kind of at the back of her and this is where as a child i did not understand Mm -hmm. this but he turns her around i mean as an adult i don't understand this like as a as a writing choice yeah i mean yeah but you don't really understand it but she he turns her around and she's got like her tuck behind there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's like when i was a kid i thought why did she poop her pants ah because it's not super clear what is in there. But I guess everyone... Uh, it's clear start... to everyone in the scene. Yeah, and they all start, like, spitting just, and just wanting vomiting, to... Just vomiting. Like, spontaneous, just just disgust and revulsion from... Is the joke that they all got kissed by her at one point? I don't know. Um, it's a good question. And... It's probably the most anyone has ever thought about this film, I think, is what you and I are doing right now. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, but um, I don't know. Or I, it's just the idea of a woman with a dick just so um, so jarring to them. I guess if they, if they had worked with her for a bunch, it would definitely come as a shock. Uh, but it just it doesn't work. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's really... I, I'm shocked that this is a thing that was okayed. <laughs> Even back then, like you said, it's like, it's not that. The things that were questionable back in the day were like questionable of like, mm, all right, you know, yeah. this is this is on the line. But this is over the line. In and Out came out three years later. Oh, I mean, nothing can touch Joan Cusack. Oh, well, yeah. Um, anyways, so the point is Einhorn slash Finkel goes to jail, I guess. Um, uh, yeah. The, super, the, the, the dolphin is The returned. Super Bowl is going on while this climactic scene happens at the wharf. So Dan Marino joins the game partway through, and the mascot joins, like, comes to the stadium partway through. Um, and, uh, and, like, they, they give Ace a shout-out on the Jumbotron, uh, but he happens to be beating up the opposing team's mascot at the same time. Uh, so it's, you know, uh, that's that's the joke we end on is him yeah yeah is him beating up a mascot and then once again you hear jim carrey's voice tone put that big ass size 13 on and kick (laughs) it for the homies and then tone look starts laying down the truth i am i can't believe i wish that i had known since the beginning of the movie that you hadn't seen it discovering this at the middle of the (laughs) of the synopsis makes a lot makes this a lot more difficult but yeah i i watching this as an adult is a very different experience for sure (laughs) as an adult it's like kind of a general moral person Um, yeah yeah i did think some of the slapstick stuff still holds up as far as like a jim carrey movie yeah i don't like ace ventura when nature calls and i refuse to watch that for the pod (laughs) because i'm not watching that ever again oh i don't think it's on streaming um okay good yeah, it's, it's just, it's so, like I said, th- this is, like I said at the beginning, this is an exercise in what is the least amount of movie we can make. And yeah. it, was, it was purely just 
Jim Carrey and Tom Shadyak just doing their thing for right. less than 90 minutes. And yeah. somehow this they ha- got this Dan had like a, to do it. <laughs> right. Uh, this had a huge cultural impact as far as just like people saying things to each other. Oh, like, yeah. Like, all righty then, and don't, do not go in there. Right. All that stuff. Right. Um, but, you know, and they, does they this stand the test of time? that no. with smoking and somebody stop me from the mask. <laughs> right, because it happened on the same year. And they combine that with, so you're saying there's a chance from <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Like, just... Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm going to put the vibe out and then sticking out your butt. Right. Salmon of Capistrano, like, that's in there. Um, yeah. So, uh, just, just... Uh, do you want to hear... Do you, what is it? Do you want to hear the most annoying sound? Yes. Or what was it? Yes. And uh, just like, um, big gulps, so huh? Good. Well, see ya. Um, just... <laughs> that is funny though. Uh, yeah, that uh, that that line is very funny. Um, <laughs> I miss that. I miss that. That was an improv. Oh. Um, good good fun. Fact. So, but I mean, I want to know what the reviewers had to say. Uh, so I so here's the thing, not a lot of reviewers liked this movie. Okay. This this was critically reviled, um, and the reason they made a second one is because the uh, the first one did so well off of a relatively small budget. Um, so uh, let's do um, the one positive review I could find. Oh, cool! Uh, which was of all places, the Washington Post. Uh, so uh, Rita Kempley, writing for the Post, writes, "Quote." Carrie stoops to new highs in low comedy. Actually, he bends over, flaps his cheeks, and introduces the world to butt ventriloquism in Ace Ventura, <laughs> Pet Detective. Again, ventriloquism. I'm just happy we get to talk about it. A riot, it. <laughs> a riot from start to finish, Carrie's first feature comedy is as cheerfully bawdy as it is idiotically inventive. Uh, and then she talks a little bit about the cat, and she says, Carrie probably could have worked solo and still made the movie work considering he's got more energy to expend than the Tennessee Valley Authority. As with the most Mm -hmm. memorable clowns, he's got enormous athleticism and flexibility. Uh, At one point, he pulls himself into a cardboard box to elude the caretakers of an insane asylum. (laughs) For this scene, he is in a pink tutu and boxer shorts. Uh, Sometimes it's just Jim in his birthday suit. Carrie will do anything for a laugh, up to and including stuffing a bathroom plunger into his mouth. <laughs> Basically, you have to see it to believe it. And if you love body gut-busting hilarity and stupid pet tricks, then this is your ace. And oh. I, I, you know, I would say, like I said, this is a movie in which Jim Carrey literally will do absolutely anything. Um, mm-hmm. It is insane that this is his first movie. I can't um, believe it. I don't know how they conceived of the plot or the character or the script at all it makes no sense but um his i mean his performance is uh, remarkable um he would get much better material in the years to come yeah yeah definitely i mean he didn't write that stuff uh he is one of the three credited screenwriters uh on this film and once yeah, again yeah. this film has but on the, uh, oh you mean on, on the, the future stuff yeah no right no. right right yeah uh, uh we do i do want to just say one more time this film has three screenwriters uh yeah. which can't possibly be right <laughs> yeah yeah but uh carrie um, well, was well i yeah i found some good common sense media reviews like um hitch there were a lot more kid <laughs> reviews but way more kid reviews for this one 
Um, I do have some parent. I have one parent one because the parent ones are just boring. But uh, parent of an 18-year-old writes, definitely not innocent humor or LGBT sensitive. Watch this with my 12-year-old expecting Grinch-like performance. This was much more mature. Lots of sex references. <laughs> a scene where my kiddo knew they were having sex and much too much language slash attitude that is not LGBT friendly. Characters repeatedly barf at the idea of a transvestite. I, I want to call this user specifically and be like, that's not what we call that. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's different, different word. <laughs> yeah. A woman is outed as a man when Ace rips open her shirt, pulls off her skirt, so she's in her underwear. The transvestite is then revealed as such when the rear of her panties are shown with balls etc highly inappropriate for my child who luckily was clueless she asked why the girl had pooped her panties which is what, which is what you I thought yeah 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 so that's i was i felt validated as a child but now as an adult i'm like this was not something that i wanted to feel validation on um 14 year old common sense media user writes vulgar humorless dumb comedy insults your intelligence Although my dad and 23-year-old sister love it for reasons unknown, I feel that this is one of the worst visual media presentations I've ever seen. Okay, well, that seems a little harsh. She says, the worst is Happy Tree Friends. I don't know what that is. Not familiar. Uh, My mom hates it, too. It features a case of a missing dolphin, which would be serious in real life. (laughs) But from Ace Ventura's dawdling, harassing a police officer by pretending to talk from his butt, and the unnecessary sex scenes which my mom and myself covered our eyes during. It's The mom sounds great. It seems that Ace doesn't care about his job at all. Jim Carrey makes faces, but unlike The Mask, it isn't over the top enough to be funny. Women are sexualized. I don't like that. <laughs> which I think that's good. I think the women are sexualized. The rest are kind of the same. A lot of it is, this one is um, kind of pro the movie. I would, wa- uh, let's see, what's it called? It's a 16-year-old. I would watch this movie with my friends, but I watched it with my parents, and it was very awkward. There was a <laughs> there was a scene where Ace and a lead female character have sex, and it was quite explicit. You could see the movements and the bed shaking. It was very awkward to watch this with my parents. I enjoyed the movie, but I wouldn't recommend to parents who are protective over what their kids watch. <laughs> I would I I remember watching this with my parents. Ugh. I don't, but I was too young. I don't remember any of this. As an adult, I'm like, oh, gross. (laughs) Yuck. Um, I have some final thoughts just on Jim Carrey in general. Yeah. Okay. I think he's really amazing. He's a great person. Uh, If you, he has an interview with Howard Stern. I listen to Howard Stern. Don't read me for that. Um, Howard Stern is the only one of the shock jocks who has any level of self-awareness so oh absolutely he's completely changed um in general yeah and he he is also one of the best interviewers oh he's a great interview great oh man i mean in in chicago we have to deal with fucking man cow so like okay (laughs) okay that's fair well i i actually pay for sirius xm just for howard's interviews of people i think the hillary clinton one was really good but his ones with uh jim carrey he has two before this one so they're three total and they kind of go into more of spirituality and jim carrey's art and more of his like political stances mm-hmm. on things he's a very well-spoken person which you wouldn't get from this movie um but he has a, a commencement speech for the maharishi university in iowa that i really recommend okay um yeah and he also has some he has that documentary about being andy kaufman that was mm-hmm. 
weird. But there is a, a mini documentary on YouTube about his art and talking about spirituality and kind of his place in the world. It's a very stark difference watching that and then watching Ace Ventura. <laughs> so I think just if you want to see the trajectory of like a human being and how somebody can change, definitely, you know, watch this and then be sad and then watch these things about him now. He's a very interesting, fascinating person and he like makes no attempt to like say like I've figured it out as yeah. a person. Um, but I think he's figured it out as a person. Huh. Yeah. I think he's a really interesting guy. Yeah, I need to um, learn more about kind of how, how he talks about his work because he always struck me as like, I, I, I agree that he's a very interesting guy. He always struck me as kind of a, a, a kind of strange dude to talk to just based on the limited interviews I've, I've seen of yeah. him. Um, and he is, I think, famously very, very, um, uh, very much a perfectionist when mm -hmm. he's shooting comedy. Like he'll do 30 takes of a scene to make sure he gets his face just right, you know, but, but, but at the same time, like, like it, it shows it not necessarily in this movie, although I, I definitely respect that it, this definitely feels like a, like, it doesn't feel like Jim Carrey watered anything down from yeah. what he wanted to do. So it yeah. does represent his artistic vision, I guess, but he would make, he would go on to make much, much better movies. Than oh this. yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna go watch the Truman Show after this I mean, just so I can feel better. <laughs> Truman Show's great. Laura Linney's his wife, right? In that. Uh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, Truman... Oh, or I could watch Eternal Sunshine. Uh, Eternal Sunshine is very strange, but it's great. Um, so good. The uh, it, it, but like fucking even if you want just like his fucking mainstream comedy, like Liar Liar is a great, uh, mainstream goofy broad comedy. It's oh, really it's very well good. done. Um, it's very good. And Everybody in it is amazing. I saw Bruce Almighty in the theaters. I, I was in high school, I think. I remember laughing my ass off. Like, Oh, yeah. Uh, and maybe that one hasn't aged super well. but um, Yeah, we'll have to watch that. Yeah, well, I know Steve Carell is in it, and that was his like big Yes, yeah, Steve Carell has a supporting role, role in it, and it's, he's actually really good. But the problem is uh, that God is played by a sexual predator. <laughs> no, we forgot about that. <laughs> um, any other final thoughts? I feel ashamed that I thought this movie was so funny uh, as a child. I still think some parts of it are very funny, but I am just knowing that Jim Carrey has done better as a person and has like grown as a human being makes me feel better about liking him in general. Yeah. Yeah. So I would yeah. say watch literally any Jim Carrey film before this one. Or go on uh, YouTube and watch his stand-up because he's really good. Oh, yeah, really yeah, good. yeah. And he's he's put out a lot of great work. This is literally the single worst one. Yeah, um, yeah. If, I'm glad we started at the worst one. Yeah. Because now if we watch anything else with him, it'll just be way better. We're just going to be like, oh, yeah, this is better than the, uh, the, uh, the Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Movie. <laughs> the most transphobic yeah. movie ever. Yeah. Jeez. So, folks, yeah. enjoy watching some non-transphobic stuff. Uh, yeah. And Thanks for the suggestion, Kate. Yeah, Kate. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, probably should have. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We'll see you next week. Bye. Close your eyes. Make a wish. And blow out the candlelight. For tonight is just your night. Celebrate mm -hmm. all through the night for.